Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. Affecting 8% of Americans, chronic kidney disease or CKD poses a high risk for both adverse cardiovascular outcomes and progression to end-stage renal disease. Notably, its disproportionate impact on minority communities along with the fragmented nature of care has contributed to significant cost burden in the U.S. healthcare system and worsening health outcomes for patients. On this episode of Managed Carecast, we speak with Dr. Abby Sindura-Morthy, Executive Vice President of the Clinical Enterprise SMATIS, a national value-based care company serving patients with underlying kidney disease, on the potential of value-based arrangements to address disparities in CKD and promote preventive, effective care. Welcome to Managed Carecast, Abby. Can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah, thank you, Matt. Um, my name is Dr. Abby Sindura-Morthy, and I am the Executive Vice President for the Clinical Enterprise here at Somatis. I'm an internal medicine physician by training. Somatis is a national value-based care company serving patients with underlying kidney disease in over 30 states. Um, for multiple payers and working with our provider partners as well. Can you just speak uh, briefly on the pathogenesis and risk factors of chronic kidney disease? Um, So there's several risk factors, some clinical and some um, more external uh, that can um, cause patients to go into chronic kidney disease, as well as accelerate their progression through the different stages of chronic kidney disease. Um, much of this is comorbidities. So patients who have underlying high blood pressure, diabetes, or obesity, um, that is not well managed can end up with chronic kidney disease and it can progress rapidly to what we call end stage kidney disease where patients end up on dialysis. Other factors um, that can affect this progression are medications. So um, as many of you may know, much of the medications that we may take are filtered through the kidneys. And so um, taking the wrong dosage of these medications or multiple medications can put a lot of strain on the kidneys leading to further deterioration. Um, National statistics show that over 49% of patients with underlying kidney disease are still on nephrotoxic medications, which can harm the kidneys, which accelerate that disease progression into the end stage um, kidney disease. Um, And finally, diet and lifestyle is also a key component of disease progression for patients with underlying kidney disease. So eating the appropriate diet, depending on what those um, comorbidities might be that they have hypertension or diabetes, um, and then also lifestyle modification in terms of appropriate level of exercise um, and weight management is key in uh, delaying disease progression as well. Notably, chronic kidney disease has been found to disproportionately affect minority communities, particularly Black and Native Americans. Can you describe the current standard of care in CKD and its implications for at-risk populations? In some places, uh, it is that there needs to be more standardized um, guidelines. And then in some places, in terms of uh, kidney disease and its effect on the minority population, there are some standards of care that we should reconsider um, and evolve to really make sure that we're focusing in on that population. So I've really grouped this into to three things. Um, one is measurement of uh, underlying kidney disease and disease progression. So as many of you may know, um, you know, the EGFR calculation, which is the uh, um, 
the functionality of the kidneys um, can vary depending on race and ethnicity. Um, many studies have shown that the way that EGFR is calculated, taking into consideration race and ethnicity, may really underestimate risk in minority populations. Um, a lot of hospital systems and uh, payers are really getting engaged in changing the way that this is measured so that we can identify patients at risk earlier on. Um, so changing the standard of care is a key component of ensuring that we're protecting our minority population and adequately um, estimating their risk in terms of underlying kidney disease. Another big category is really cultural sensitivities to comorbidity management, as well as lifestyle modification, which we know leads to progression. So understanding how high blood pressure or diabetes is uh, treated in the minority population, the nuances there, and really um, honing in on that standard of care and customizing it to that population is a key component, as well as when we talk about lifestyle modification, taking into consideration diets that may exist outside of the, the North American diet, um, cultural sensitivities there is a key part of ensuring that um, care is delivered in a customized fashion to that minority population. Finally, um, there's several different inequities uh, that uh, exist in terms of healthcare delivery itself. So taking into consideration um, social determinants of health, uh, psychological, behavioral health, um, and other environmental factors that may come into play when it comes to these minority populations is an important part that should be incorporated into the standard of care. So we're really taking a customized approach for those patients who have those different needs. There are several other compounded factors such as poor nutrition and socioeconomic status that have been found in the CKD community. How have these issues affected healthcare access and adherence in underserved populations? Yeah, um, so these factors are, are key. Uh, despite the um, evolution in the, in the science of medicine and all the great advancements that have come to exist, um, we find that these factors, many of which you've just mentioned, uh, nutrition as well as, as well as socioeconomic status, um, can stop that science from getting to the population that needs it the most. Um, so um, here at Somatis and uh, just overall in value-based care, some of the key interventions that are important um, to curtail that issue would be one, education. Um, so much of the time, the, the poor nutrition and the social determinants health of health issues may arise purely because patients are not well-educated on um, how they can improve in terms of those things. So for example, in terms of nutrition, really educating patients on if they're diabetic, what should be their carb intake? Um, if they have underlying heart failure, how much sodium should they be taking in? What are the foods that are low in sodium versus high in sodium? Uh, the DASH diet for patients who have underlying high blood pressure. Um, these are things that providers, hospital systems often don't have time to go into at length with their patients in the provider setting. Um, so having dedicated dietitians to be able to help with this are a key component of our model here at uh, Somatis and um, many of, of the value-based care models. Another example of this is socioeconomic factors, educating patients on um, what is out there to help them uh, be able to afford uh, those resources that are important to drive um, 
their health outcomes is, is a key component of the model. So for example, here at Somatis, our community health workers know what health plan benefits exist for patients. One great example is many patients qualify for a blood pressure cuff um, that is free of cost through their health plan benefits, but they don't know about this. So our community health workers really take the time to educate patients on these types of issues. Um, another issue when it comes to uh, external factors such as nutrition and SDOH is just having access to these types of things. Um, so many programs across the country um, have uh, services such as food as medicine programs, food pharmacies, to really help in those food deserts uh, to give patients more access to appropriate nutrition to help control their comorbidities, which helps delay disease progression in patients with underlying kidney disease. And then also um, we've seen and we've incorporated into our model of access to um, things that may help alleviate SDOH barriers. So for example, medication affordability assistance programs that our clinical pharmacists engage our patients in. Uh, medication affordability is the number one um, socioeconomic need that we see in our patient population. And that's something that is a key component of our model. Another is getting transport to be able to go to the pharmacy to pick up their meds or to go to their provider visit. So our social workers um, engage patients in these resources with these resources resources in their community so that they have access to them and to close these SDOH gaps to ensure that they get the care they need. We've spoken a bit about the innovations and the emerging services in CKD, but can you dive deeper into the fragmented nature of the chronic kidney care system? What obstacles continue to impede the delivery of timely and effective care? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the fragmentation of healthcare uh, can be divided into a, a couple different segments. One is just a segmentation that we see between different sites of care. Um, so often we lack the care coordination that's needed during these handoffs. So whether that is from the provider space, the outpatient um, space into the inpatient space. Um, there's a segmentation there and there often is a lack of coordination in terms of understanding how this patient was functioning, what was their health status prior to coming to the hospital. And then upon discharge too, we often have that segmentation in handoff when that patient is handed off either into a post-acute uh, type situation. So when they go to a skilled nursing facility or inpatient rehab, there may be a lack in coordination of what happened in the hospital, what was prescribed and requested in the hospital. Or if they go home, there may be that lack of um, coordination as well. Here at Somatis, we really try to put that, that coordination together so that the patient journey is put together as a whole. Um, another key category for fragmentation is um, how differentiated medicine has become. Um, you know, we've really become highly specialized in, in everything we do that oftentimes different providers only get a segmented view into the patient's care. Um, so the right hand might not know what the left hand is doing. Um, a specialist like a cardiologist may not have known, you know, what the nephrologist um, had recommended. So this creates a lot of um, fragmentation in the system as well, which is not optimal for these patients with kidney disease. And then finally, um, our electronic health records, just because there are so many different EMRs and um, a definitely an opportunity for improved coordination of those EMRs, that information can get lost and fragmented, which also affects care coordination for these patients. So it really, it really um, provokes us to step back and ask who is the actual advocate 
for this patient. We need to make sure that we're establishing um, an advocate who sees the patient throughout their journey of care and can pull all of these pieces together and put a story together that ends in optimal outcomes um, for these patients and continued communication with this with these patients. And that's what Somatis really aims to do is to be that patient advocate um, to put that journey together. As a follow-up to that, what patient-specific barriers to care persist as well? As we had spoken about uh, SDOH-type um, issues, social determinants of health, um, education-type issues, the fragmentation of healthcare, um, you know, many may think of that as, as patient-specific barriers. However, they are external, um, and, and patients need the help of external parties such as payers, uh, providers, um, you know, value-based care companies like ours to help them close those gaps. Um, what we're completely relying on the patients for and what I consider highly patient-specific is activation from the patient. Um, we call this uh, patient activation measure. It's actually a, a, a measurable function. Um, and what it measures is the level of motivation and the level of understanding that a patient has into their disease process. Um, and the goal really is to increase that level of motivation so that patients are empowered to self-manage, to understand their disease, understand their prognosis, understand when they're not doing well and where and when to seek the appropriate care. Um, so we call this patient activation. And when a patient has low activation and is not fully engaged in their disease process and not empowered, that becomes a huge barrier uh, to their success. Our goal here at Somatis is really to get each and every patient empowered in their care, understanding where the resources are, um, who are the right people to contact when, when are needed, really getting into self-management. Um, that's a key component of our model. And not only does that help reduce unnecessary utilization of certain types of services, but it overall improves quality of life for our patients. And as a value-based kidney care uh, focus for somatis, can you uh, discuss what this approach entails and its a potential impact on disease progression and health outcomes? What this approach really entails um, in our eyes is we are very accustomed to seeing evidence-based guidelines um, implemented and executed in the science of medicine. So we are very prescriptive on how do we treat um, high blood pressure uh, in a patient with um, X number of comorbidities, or how do we uh, treat this patient who presents with shortness of breath into the emergency room? However, um, the industry as a whole lags behind in terms of uh, creating, implementing, and executing on evidence-based guidelines in the delivery of healthcare. Um, one really good example of this is something that physicians are, um, are not taught in medical school, which is after uh, post-discharge, when I'm ready to discharge the patient, how do I really make the determination on where the patient should go after discharge. Should they go to an inpatient rehab facility? Should they go to um, a skilled nursing facility or can they go home? Um, this is right now a largely subjective decision that would really benefit from implementing and executing on evidence-based guidelines. And there, there are a few out there and they're implemented um, 
sparsely, uh, but not standardized and systemized throughout the industry. So here at Somatis, we really believe in standardizing that approach and using evidence-based guidelines, not just in the science of medicine, but in the actual delivery of healthcare. Um, and when it specifically comes to health disparities, cultural sensitivity uh, is a key component of our model. So not using a one size fits all, but really understanding, you know, comorbidity management, lifestyle modification, diet, education, social determinants of health um, from the lens of that particular patient, understanding that some patients may have excess needs, more customized needs, um, and catering to those customized needs through our um, comprehensive assessment process, our intervention process, our risk stratification process um, is, is a key piece of what we do. Um, overall in the nation, we have seen that what we call accelerated disease progression in this particular cohort of patients happens greater than 50% of the time. That means one in two patients with underlying kidney disease are getting worse due to modifiable risk factors. Here at Somatis, by delivering a very customized approach to the way we manage these patients, we've been able to bring that percentage down to less than 30% in our managed cohort, with our target really being 0% of patients have accelerated disease progression. And that's really through the implementation of evidence-based guidelines in the way we deliver healthcare and using a truly customized patient-centric approach in terms of our interventions for these patients. And along with these rates of disease progression, uh, fragmentation in chronic kidney care has been linked in prior research with higher rates of emergency department use and subsequent high costs. How can these value-based arrangements improve the cost burden in CKD and the healthcare system overall? The way value-based care uh, programs improve cost is by incentivizing for improved outcomes rather than for transactions that happen in the fee-for-service world. So the fee-for-service world is largely transactional. Um, you know, incentives, reimbursement is based on the number of times a patient utilizes um, healthcare services and the type of services uh, they utilize. In the value-based care world, um, incentives and reimbursements are really for overall patient outcomes um, and improving those outcomes. Therefore, we actually reduce cost by optimizing quality, um, which is very mission oriented and stays true to uh, first do no harm, which is really what we um, aim to get to here at Somatis. This is done through um, two large mechanisms. Um, so one is reducing cost by reducing unnecessary services or sites of care. Um, we know that when patients utilize um, certain types of services or the wrong site of care for the wrong type of um, healthcare need. This can lead to acquired conditions, acquired infections, medical errors. So we really want to make sure there's um, a level of thought of the appropriateness of the site of care and the type of service needed. And the next big category is by increasing revenue for providing more services to those who actually need them. We call this Medicare risk adjustment. So documenting when a patient is truly much sicker um, can actually increase um, the amount of revenue or reimbursement for that service in a value-based care model, which is necessary because we do understand that while we wanna reduce overall utilization of services, we do wanna make sure that those patients who need that higher level of care get that higher level of care. And by documenting that, there's an appropriate reimbursement um, so that 
a disproportionate amount of re resources can be put towards that. So that's value-based care. Um, overall, in a nutshell, it is by incentivizing for outcomes rather than for the transactions that may occur in, in healthcare. What considerations should be top of mind for payers and providers looking to implement a value-based preventive care approach in CKD? Yeah, a few of the considerations that are important in order to improve the system and the process would be um, one that healthcare delivery has a significant opportunity for standardization. So as mentioned earlier, um, while we do a great job in, ten, in terms of clinical protocols and evidence-based protocols in the science of medicine, we need protocols on necessity um, of utilization of services, appropriateness um, in terms of site of care. And an example is that uh, post-discharge, where, where do we send the patient? So that is something to, to consider. When those protocols are in place, um, or when we work as a, as a system to develop those guidelines, we're more likely to get buy-in from the frontline care teams um, because all they want to do is what's right for the patient. Um, so we really want to be guideline oriented and that can really help providers, hospital systems engage in these protocols um, and follow them for that optimized uh, outcome. The second thing to consider is that the health, healthcare industry also has a huge opportunity for systemization. While the parts work phenomenally. Um, you know, hospital systems do a great job in terms of stabilizing patients, getting them the acute care they need. Um, and primary care providers do a phenomenal job in terms of preventative care. Our specialists do a great job in terms of deep diving into specialty needs that patients may have. The system as a whole um, tends to lag behind. Working together as a system is somewhere where we can improve. Um, so we really need that patient advocate who puts the whole story together. So something for payers and providers to consider is who is that advocate to the patient? Who can put that journey together and the pieces and parts so that ultimately we have a story that leads um, to better outcomes for that patient. And then third is really considering that the current model, the way it exists, does not globally incentivize preventative care and outcome-based care. Uh, we do have pockets of value-based care. There are primary care practices in, in some realms. There are ACOs um, that are highly bought in, but we really need to globally incentivize um, you know, outcome-based care in order to drive upstream management, prevention, um, and then really appropriate utilization of services. And lastly, is there anything else you wanted to add that has not yet been addressed? Yeah, um, I think the one thing I would really add is that as we think about value-based care, um, you know, there are a lot of folks out there um, really driving um, these initiatives. We've got um, payers um, that are highly bought in, really putting a lot of effort in terms of um, moving the needle forward in terms of value-based care, some great ACOs across the country in hospital systems. We've got some great uh, provider practices, um, you know, companies like Somatis, um, but really value-based care cannot be achieved by just um, any one segment in the healthcare. It really requires um, every aspect of the industry to come together. So hospitals, care management companies, utilization management companies, um, pharmaceutical and device companies, tech companies, and most importantly, the community as a whole, um, you know, 
whether it's homeless shelters, whether it's YMCA's, libraries, um, food banks, uh, to come together as a whole and really be bought in in terms of providing outcome-based healthcare for patients and all pitching in uh, to do what they can to create a society that is purely focused on that. So it, it needs to be contagious. Um, value-based care needs to become um, a, a contagious approach amongst everyone who affects a patient's healthcare journey in order for it to truly be successful. To learn more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.